This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Leo Blasey talks about true freedom. Did the 1960s sexual revolution affect freedom? How does freedom affect happiness? Let's find out. Here's Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Ken Billinger, interviewing Father Leo Blasey. We'd like to welcome in Father Leo Blasey. Father Leo is retired from the U.S. Army, where he was a mechanic and then a helicopter pilot and eventually a maintenance test pilot. Welcome, Father Leo, to Divine Mercy Radio. Hello. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you for being with us. And and, uh, today we're going to talk about what is true freedom. And uh, let's talk first a little bit about you. You were in the Army and were deployed a couple of times, from what I understand. Can you tell us a little bit about your deployment experience? Sure. I was in the Army for 29 years. A a big part of it was in the the National Guard, both the Kansas and Oklahoma National Guard. But I had the opportunity twice to be deployed overseas in combat situations. The first one was in Bosnia in 2001 and 2002. And the second one was in Iraq in 2009-2010, where I was a medevac pilot for that deployment. So. Very good. Well, we thank you for your service, and we want to talk a little bit about, you know, that true freedom is really our topic today. But being in the Army, you would know what freedom is all about, obviously. For our listeners, if you wouldn't mind sharing uh, the, with us and with our listeners uh, your definition of freedom, define it for us if you could. Well, I've got a couple of uh, statements that I would like to read from, from other people first. The first one is, freedom consists not of doing what we like but in having the right to do what we ought. And that's from Pope John Paul II. And another statement was, freedom means always choosing the good, which is the challenge in today's world that must be met with courage and resolve. That one was from Pope Francis. What does it mean to be free? Well, we kind of have to to work with definitions. The English language is a very complex language, and we oftentimes we use multiple definitions for the same word. For a lot of people in the United States, freedom is just the ability to do what we want to do, whatever that is. The problem with that definition is that in the end, it kind of boils down to anarchy. And anarchy is never a good situation when it comes to living in community with each other. So for, for Christians and for Catholics, freedom is the ability to strive for what we are meant to be, so what God made us for. And from the book of wisdom, we find this. God formed man to be imperishable. The image of his own nature is how he made them. But by the envy of the devil, death entered the world, and they who are in his possession experience it. Those who trust in him shall understand truth, and the faithful shall abide in him in love because grace and mercy are with the holy ones, and his care is with his elect. Now that last statement was talking about God. Those who trust in God shall understand the truth. So to really live free is to strive to be who God made us to be, which is his image and likeness. So freedom is always about doing the good. The Catechism of the Catholic Church has about 12 paragraphs describing what it is to be free, and I think it does a really good job of it. In Article 
17.30, it says, God created man a rational being, conferring on him the dignity of a people who can initiate and control his own action. God willed that man should be left in the hand of his own counsel so that he might of his own accord seek his creator and freely attain his full and blessed perfection by cleaving to him. Man is rational and therefore like God. He is created with free will and is master over his action. One of the things that uh, many people in the United States today don't understand is with freedom comes responsibility. And a lot of people, if you talk to people today and ask them why they did something, they'll, they'll tell you that somebody else caused it or somebody else. And if you look back, that's, that's kind of the same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. The devil tempted Eve to eat the apple and... Eve tempted Adam to eat the apple, and God approached Adam and said, why did you do it? And Adam said, well, the woman gave it to me. And the woman said, well, the serpent tricked me. They didn't take responsibility for their own choice, for their action. And today we've, we've kind of come full circle. And the, the majority of the people today, when you ask them why they did something that, w- that ended up not being good, they would say, well, this happened or that happened or the other thing happened. And that's a sign of the slavery that we fall into when we surrender our freedom, when we do things that are not to the good and we start to fall into the trap of the vices that are that are in the world today. That's a, a long answer to a short question. Yeah, well, and actually we had some great points there. And I also think about Adam saying the woman who you put here, you know, I think he's also blaming the, the God. The woman you there. put here with Yeah, me. exactly. So yeah. let's blame everybody. And uh, we tend to we become that uh, so much, like you said, here in the U.S., uh, uh, always pointing the finger, it seems to be. Uh, Father, are there certain rights that come from God for people to be free? There are. If you know your American history very well, you know that in the preamble to the Constitution, there's a statement in there that says that we're given rights by God that are unalienable. And those rights are the, the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And those, in a nutshell, they, they pretty well cover the, the, the rights that we have because we are created intelligent beings by God. Um, we all have the right to life. And the, the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness fall under the religious aspects of being able to praise and worship God in the way that we, as humans, are, are drawn to when we recognize what our inmost desires are. So inalienable, that means that they can't be taken away. And in many governments and in many times around the world, there have been governments that have imposed on the, the liberties and the rights of the people of the, of the country. And it's important for us to recognize that God-given rights cannot be taken away. When we give the government authority to, to give us rights and to take rights away, then we are given them the rights that God has given to us alone, and we, we're not supposed to do that. This country has done a really good job in the first two centuries of making sure that those rights are not impinged upon. And the Constitution does a good job of that. But again, in, in recent years, as things have evolved and as groups have, have risen and, and come to power, they're trying to chip away at those rights and, and make them more that the government has control over those rights. And one of the first ways that that happened was in 1973, when the, the Supreme Court gave approval for the, the Roe versus Wade case that allowed abortion to happen in this country. 
And when you take away the right to life of anybody, you've done away with all other rights. Because if you don't have a right to live, then you can't have any other rights. So that that court case was a benchmark in this country in in removing the God-given rights from people. And and since then, it's been kind of a cascade of of legal cases where the the courts have decided whether or not to allow people to have their God-given rights. And, And as a people, we need to to be aware that those things are happening and we need to to move in our legal system and in our political system to make sure that those are reinstated and that they're always held precious because when you give away your rights, you give away everything. Father, talk a little bit about people in authority and freedom for those under their rule, like, for example, law enforcement, government, parents, things of that nature. Well, my, my last comment started to touch on that a little bit. and and. People in authority, we talked about anarchy a a little bit ago, and anarchy is not a good thing because it's basically each person saying that they can do whatever they want to do if it's right to them, and and that degenerates into chaos. So we need authority, and God created us to live in community. And as a community, then we come together, and and communities make laws and rules, and, and they're expected to be followed for the good of the community. And government is one of those sources for for laws and rules that that help the community live together and to establish the freedoms of the entire community over the freedom of an individual that decides that they want to impinge on others' freedoms, which is what authority is all about. The authority is all about securing the rights for everyone and not allowing one person to violate others' rights. And that's why we have law enforcement. We have laws and we have law enforcement because, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, people there are people that are not going to want to follow the rules and they want to they want to take what is rightfully other people's um, by stealing or by embezzling money or you know which is another form of stealing. But so we have to have laws in order to to keep order and to to keep freedoms in check. And if we don't have those laws or if we ignore them then again we will devolve into chaos and um, it's happened in throughout history and it's happened and there are places in the world right now where chaos is developing because the rule of law is not able to stand up we see that in syria there's a couple other places in the middle east where the, the the rule of law has broken down and people are being killed because of it and never a good thing when that happens. So we need laws and we need people to enforce the laws and we need to, as part of a, a community within a country and within a within the, the state, we need to follow the laws so that everybody can have the freedoms that God has deemed us to, to be have available to us. Let's talk a little bit about um, practicing virtues. And one of the things, I mean, obviously we talk about virtues and so many times people... Uh, a lot of people, Catholics and non-Catholics alike, I think, tend to look at our faith as so many rules and regulations, and and we're just so we're so restricted. But how can practicing virtues like self-denial, sound judgment, self-mastery help to make us free? A lot of people outside the church see the the practices that we do as rules, and really the practices are not so often rules. Is there the ability for us to work and improve ourselves. In 
again, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church in 1734, it says, freedom makes man responsible for his actions to the extent that they are voluntary. And it says, progress in virtue, knowledge of the good, and ascesis enhance the mastery over the, the will, mastery of the will over its acts. Now, ascesis is discipline or, or self-deprivation in order to, to become stronger. Now, I was in the military, and very often we had exercises to go out and practice our skills in order to, to be the best military person, whether you were a soldier in the Army or a sailor in the Navy or an airman in the Air Force. You practiced your skills and oftentimes deprived yourself of the, the benefits that you had of being in, your, in the cantonment area so that you could be a better soldier, sailor, or airman. It's the same way in life. If we always indulge in, in the good things in life, then we tend to neglect the, the things that, that really make us free. And the church encourages us to recognize that and, and to, to do things that help us to be disciplined and to, to be able to view virtue and avoid vices. And that's what that this is all about, is to, to study, to practice, the works of mercy, the corporal works of mercy, and the spiritual works of mercy, and then to deprive ourselves of the good once in a while so that we can more readily recognize the goods that we have. How does, how does sin keep us from being free? Well, again, if we look back at our definition of freedom, it's the ability to be what we were created to be, which is in the image of God, which means to be good. And anything we do that distracts us from being good and, and takes us away from the good is takes us away from our freedom. Again, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church in, in paragraph 1739, it says, man's freedom is limited and fallible because we have fallen. And it says, in fact, man failed because he freely sinned. By refusing God's plan of love, he deceived himself and became a slave to sin. This first alienation engendered a multitude of others. And from its outset, human history attests to the wretchedness and oppression born of the human heart in consequence of the abuse of freedom. When we sin, we abuse our freedom, we take advantage of God's gift to us, and that leads us away from love and into slavery. And that's the reason that sin is, is detrimental to freedom is because it enslaves us to be more and more sinful as we continue uh, let us uh, jump back to uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about, too. Obviously, uh, sin keeping us from being free, but there's also that responsibility that goes with freedom. Uh, I'm sure your thoughts on that, if you would. Well, if freedom is the ability to be who we're supposed to be, then we're responsible to use our freedom to that order. And if we don't use our freedom to that order, then we're abusing freedom. So... We have a God-given responsibility to, to know what is the truth because we're made in the image of truth and we can't strive to, to be a person of truth if we don't know what it is. So with freedom and with the intellect that God has given us, we're responsible to learn what it means to be free and we're also responsible to make the choices that allow us to be free. When we make choices against our freedom, when we make choices against the, the good and the true and the beautiful, then we deprive ourselves of God's gift to us of freedom, 
responsibility goes hand in hand with freedom. You can't have freedom without responsibility. One of, well, when you say that, I, mean, I was just pondering a thought here, too. One of the things that um, do, I do prison ministry, and one of the things we talk about, because people sometimes ask us about, you know, the rules of the Catholic faith. And I said, we do have freedom, and when we follow those rules, we truly do. Because I said, think of it this way. It's kind of like driving down the highway. Um, we have the freedom to go from point A to point B. So the freedom is there, but we also have the the lines on the highway to kind of keep us where we need to be. And I said, imagine driving down a, a dark country road, for example, and if the, if you were driving down the road and, and didn't have, there was no curve sign there to tell you, hey, there's a big curve in the road up ahead, um, and you went over the side of the road, would you rather not have that sign in place to tell you that? And I said, that's really kind of where the church is. We have that guidance. We have the things that we are to do. We still have the freedom to go down the road, but the church is trying to guide us to kind of keep us out of the ditch, so to speak. And that's kind of an analogy I like to use, but I think that's... The the country road analogy is a really good one because in most states, there are no posted speed limits or anything on country roads. But the law state that you are bound by common sense to drive at a speed that is safe for the the surface of the road that you're driving on. So if you're driving on a, a gravel road out in the country and it's raining and it's muddy or if it's icy, you recognize that by common sense that you need to slow down. And if you end up in a ditch or if you end up running in over somebody's property and destroy it, then the, the law enforcement officer is going to come out and look at the situation. And if you were driving faster than was prudent for the conditions of the road, he's going to cite you for it. Now, you could argue, well, there's nothing on the road that says that I had to drive less than this speed, so why are you citing me for for breaking any laws? Because there's an understanding that when you're given the privilege of having a driver's license, that you have the common sense to operate it safely and to stay within reasonable limits. And if you go faster than that and and you cause a problem or you do damage, then you're responsible for that damage. So that's a really good analogy of, of what it means to be free and how we can abuse our freedom. Sure. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, computer, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, please know we'll be right back with more about True Freedom with Father Leo Blasey. On double-edged sword cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. True Freedom with Father Leo Blasey. Ken Billinger conducts the interview. Father Leo Blasey is our guest this afternoon. He's the parochial vicar at Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish in Hayes. Father, is it possible to have a fear of freedom? It is. And when I was a young man, I, I remember watching an episode of a, one of the, the serial westerns. And the, the basis of the episode was that one of the men on, on the show had won a poker contest and without knowing it he thought he had won a horse but it actually he won a Chinese woman who was a slave and 
immediately afterwards, he went outside to, to receive his winnings, and the guy brings this Chinese woman to him, and, and, and she humbly bends over and calls this gentleman master, and she says that she'll follow him and do whatever he desires that he do. And he immediately tries to set her free because he never intended to purchase a person, and, and he saw that it was wrong. But the woman refused to be set free. And a little bit later in that episode, when he tried to convince her that, that freedom was the best thing for her, she stood up and on the porch of the house there was a bird cage, and there was a bird in the cage. And she opened the, the gate to the bird cage, and the bird stayed in the cage. And she said, the bird knows that it's safe in the cage, and it understands, you know, it, it, it feels safe in there. And the, the guy that was trying to convince her that, that freedom was better was a little bit flabbergasted by the, the example that she showed him because as intelligent people, we should know that living in a cage is not the, the freedom that we desire. But if that's all you've really experienced in your life, and there, there are different kind of cages in our life. There are people that have lived in a, in a low-income situation where the only thing that they could do is live in the house that they live in, and it's not safe to go out into the streets because of the, the situation in the cities that they live in. And they've experienced the same kind of, of captivity. They're held captive to their environment. And when someone offers them an opportunity to get away from that, they don't understand it, so they're afraid of it. And they, they stay in the same situation that they've been in because the environment that you're familiar with is better than the environment that, you don't, that you're not familiar with. I know the rules of where I live at now. If I go somewhere else, I'm not sure what the rules are, and I don't know that I'm going to be safe there, even though in many situations and in the situation I'm talking about where somebody getting out of a, a bad environment and moving to a good environment, it's in reality, it's much safer for them to go somewhere else and live where they can be safe, but they don't, they're not familiar with that environment and they're afraid of it. So you can be afraid of being free. And Father, can true freedom be taught? Yes and no. The rules for true freedom can be taught. We can be in any education system can can teach you rules on how to, to get through anything, and you can learn the rules of freedom. But just like the woman who saw herself as the bird in the cage, until you've really experienced freedom, you cannot understand what true freedom is. People that are imprisoned, people that have lived in, in countries where they are, are totally oppressed can learn about freedom but they really can't understand, understand the concept of freedom until they've lived it. So experientially, we can learn freedom. And in the education system, we can learn freedom, but we, we can't really understand what freedom is until we've actually been free to do something. So we're responsible to learn what it means to be free. We're responsible to learn what things make us free and what things make us captive. But until we go out and learn and experience those freedoms and what it means to be restrained from freedom or to really live free, we don't understand what it really means. And God has blessed us to have the opportunities to, to actually go out and experience those things. And, and that's 
really what we need to do in order to be able to learn what freedom is, is to go out and experience things. Part of the issue that we have in the world today is people don't go out anymore. You live in a world where you live in your room and you you communicate with everybody that you communicate with over electronic devices, you play video games, you don't experience the world. And that's a form of captivity. And if you've never experienced anything outside of it, then, then you don't know that you're captive. One of the, the things that we learned in philosophy class was there's a story of, of a man in a cave who is chained and only has the opportunity to see the back wall of the cave. And the fire in the cave cast shadows up on the wall. And that's what this man sees for his entire life. For Since he, the beginning of his memory, the only thing that he's witnessed is these shadows on the wall. And then one day, someone comes and sets him free. And he's able to go out into the outside world and see things face to face. And he doesn't understand what he's seeing because that's contrary to the truth that he has lived all of his life. The only truth that he has known is that everything that is, is a shadow on the wall. That's not what he was really seeing, but that was his experience. So he didn't know that there was something moving behind him to cause those shadows to, to be up on the wall. And when he comes out into the real world and he experiences it, then he, he begins to understand what real reality is, what, what the truth is of being able to see and to witness and to do things rather than being stuck looking at the shadow of things on the wall. Mm. So understanding what freedom is and living freedom are two different things. You can learn and understand, but experiencing it is the only way you're really going to know what true freedom is. Mm. That's a, a rather interesting story. We've talked about a lot of different aspects of freedom, Father. Anything else that you want to want to say about freedom or like to share? Yes, there is. Um, I, I think that we can really apply the things that we have learned today in, in life as we've, we've experienced it over the last 60 years. In the 1960s, there was a, a great social experience. It was called the sexual revolution. And everybody was told that, that if you just go out and you engage in these activities and be free, that you'll be happy. And what we found over the last people going out and doing their own thing and, and neglecting the truth is that people have slowly over time gotten more and more disenfranchised with the world and dissatisfied with their lives because they've been sold this bill of good that says you can be happy in the physical world and you just do what you want to do and you can make yourself happy and more and more people are finding that that is not the truth and that you can't be satisfied by those the lies that they've been told and then because they've gone down that road they don't know how to find their way back out so what do they do? They turn to drugs and they turn to alcohol. They're depressed and they turn to medications because the psychiatrist and the psychologist don't want to recognize the mistake that they made 60 years ago in telling people that this is the way to actually go out and be happy. And then the suicide rate rises and respect for human life diminishes. And people wonder why we have mass shootings in this country and, and why more and more people are depressed. 
it's because they have learned a lie that tells them that there's a particular way to be happy and they're trying to live that happiness out and they found out that it's not the truth, that it's smoke and mirrors. So what we have a responsibility to do as a church and as a people of the church is to help people to understand that they've been deceived and to show them in our own lives that we can be truly happy. And the way that we can be truly happy is to live the way the church has told us to live, to honor each other in chastity and in love, in relationships, and to be truly free by avoiding the things that that lead us to sin and that lead us away from God. And then we can be truly happy when we recognize what God is calling us to be, who God is calling us to be, and we learn to live that way, then we can be truly happy. And that's the whole purpose of freedom is so that we can be happy in the decisions that we make, that we can love. One of the things that you were, as you're talking about that, I was thinking too, because I know people that have lived a life, had a great life, and they had everything they wanted in life, but they didn't have God in their life. And it was like they were still very unhappy people. Something was missing. And when they came to realize it was, uh, you know, that relationship with Christ that they were missing, it all changed. There's always that void there, it seems like, without it. Yeah. There are are numerous stories of people that have been successful financially, fiscally. They can buy whatever they want to buy. They can do whatever they want to do, but they're still not happy. And a a prime example of of those types of people are there there are hundreds of people in Hollywood that make millions and millions of dollars. They can buy million-dollar mansions. They can buy big boats. They can buy multiple cars. They can have all the friends they want to have. And they still do drugs, and they still drink alcohol, and they still commit suicide. Why is that? If you can really be satisfied by having stuff, why is it that there are so many unhappy people in Hollywood? You see it all the time. And, I mean, it's not just once or twice, and it's not just a few people that are exceptions to the rule. The the rule in Hollywood is people are unhappy because they're not achieving what they are really looking for. They're successful by the way the, the standards of Hollywood, but they're not finding what they're looking for. And they have to continually go on to the next thing and the next thing. They have to pull stranger and stranger stunts so that they can get the attention that they want to get. And they're never happy because they haven't recognized that the thing is going to make them happy is a relationship with the, their creator who only wants them to be in a relationship with him. He's not asking for that much, and he's given you everything. So God can't ask too much from you. But until you recognize that what's going to make you happy is a faithful relationship in freedom with the God that created you, you will never be happy. I would totally agree with that. And uh, to get people to sometimes understand that is a little bit of a challenge in and of itself, but uh, there's definitely truth uh, to that and, and, and finding the truth and finding God so important for people to, to come to realize. Thank you for listening to Divine Mercy Radio. Whether you're listening via radio, computer, smartphone app, or Amazon Echo, we appreciate you tuning in to this week's Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. If you would like to comment on today's show or have an idea for a future show, please go to DVV as in Victor, D. 
themercy.com and click on the double-edged sword icon. And then click on the leave a comment button in the middle of the page. And folks, eternity is not seen. Neither are these airwaves. But if you can support these radio waves and help save souls for eternity, then please go to dvmercy.com and click on Donate, where your donation will be seen and appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio, KBDM 88.1 Hayes, KRTT 88.1 Great Bend, and KJDM 101.7 in Lindsburg. If today you hear his voice, pardon not your hearts.